Welcome to the Force Leadership Podcast. You'll hear from a group of dynamic women leaders discussing career decisions, risk-taking, and lessons in mentorship. I'm your host, Jamie Dolby, and you can learn more about Force by visiting us at www.maryville.edu force and follow us on all social media networks at Force Maryville. We are excited to have Stacy Stahl join us today. Stacy is a successful entrepreneur who started and sold her first company within five years. She's been on The Ellen Show and is the proud owner of Sweeter Cards. Happy to have Stacy Stahl join us today. How are you doing today, Stacy? I'm doing great, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay, so I have to jump right in with you. Sweeter Cards, uh, I've raved about it to friends. Uh, I'm a Strops. Uh, person, so I pick them up there all the time. But tell us, and I and I honestly will say I heard about Sweeter Cards from you at a women's conference, and really your energy really did drive me to buy your product. Sweeter Card was born from an idea. What is your process from idea into successful company? Yeah, well, thank you so much for being a supporter. It's great to hear those encouraging words. I'm glad that you know my product and my and I and I could have an effect on you. So thank you. So, you know, it's, it's funny, I, a lot of people ask me like, okay, how do you start a company? And the truth is, I don't know how to start a company. However, I do know how to look into an idea and go down this path where it eventually becomes a company. And so that mindset has always helped me because it takes this like big, scary, how do I start a company into like, okay, well, what's the first step of this idea of this thought? And so with Sweeter Cards, I... You know, my first step when I had the idea was just simply to call someone who makes chocolate and ask him if I could buy chocolate from them. And then the other part was a greeting card. So I had to find someone who can manufacture these cards that also looks like chocolate boxes. So that was the first week of my business, but that wasn't necessarily me setting up a company. And so I think it's really important when you are looking in the mirror and wondering, could I do this? Could I not? To not challenge yourself with, could I do the big, large company, but could I do step one? Because if you do step one, then you could likely do step two. Thank you. So I think it's, I think one of the things that I've learned from you is really just making that first step. Um, I think a lot of times we always, we wait and we're like, oh, I'm waiting on this perfect idea. I'm waiting on this perfect everything to align, but if anything from social distancing and being in that being in the house for more than 30 days at a time has taught us really the time is now. I agree. I think that I actually have met people through video chats or through phone calls or emails during this time because there actually is this willingness to connect with people and, you know, we've slowed down and reprioritized and you know, even not going to the drive-thru at Starbucks and spending 15 minutes there gives us 15 extra minutes in our day. So I really think that now is a good time to be researching your ideas and making phone calls and, you know, and just testing the waters because, I mean, you always have nothing to lose. But right now, I, I really do feel um, that the first parts of any business actually don't require much capital or structure. They just require curiosity, research. And eventually those things build into this intuition that you, that will drive you forward. So when you have all these things accomplished that are the easier things, you build this momentum to finally reach some of the things that might have been harder, but since you have those experience, they're not as hard at that point. Okay, Stacey, you've said that um, 
you didn't start a company. Instead, you had a big idea. And I know that that's a shift in the thought process uh, to our success for a lot of people. You started a company, HowHeActs.com, and that was later acquired by The Knot. What was that process like for you? I mean, a lot of times when we start a business, we're thinking this is going to be our forever baby. This is, you know, something that we started. We want to see it grow. How were you able to let go and then know that that was the right thing to do? Oh, that's such a great question. So I, um, well, when I started the idea, I, I always bring this up. I think you might have heard it rise. Um, but I had a Jim Carrey moment. And so before I even bought the domain name, I'd had this idea because one of my friends got engaged. I happened to be at the proposal. And, I, you know, I always say I don't know who was happier, the bride or myself. It was just this beautiful, exciting moment filled with love. And I couldn't have been happier for my friends. Um, but since I was there, I had so many of our other friends literally ask the question, how he asked. And so I told the story, it wasn't even my story, a million times. And so I said to my friend, like, we should really, like, put this in a blog post. I'll start the site. And will you write it up? And and so I did. I was logging on to buy the domain name, howheasked.com. And I had this Jim Carrey moment, which is, um, so before he ever had any acting role i think he had pennies in his bank account he wrote himself a check for 10 million dollars that he knew one day he would cash and so um i had that moment with how he asked when i was buying the domain i was like this is something the knot is totally gonna buy and there was a part of that that was naive but there was also a part of that that immediately had this vision created and so, like I said, the first steps were small. It was, hey, friend, will you write your story up? I'm going to make a website so you can do that. She said, okay. I asked a couple more friends. I was, like, fishing for people on Twitter. This is before Instagram was around. And eventually, we were getting submissions from people that I didn't even know. And so that validated the idea. And over about five years, we ended up, um, let's see, Instagram came about. So we ended up with over half a million followers on Instagram who loved reading these stories. We had hundreds of thousands of visitors to the site every month. We, I think, have now close to 40,000 proposals here on the platform. So we always stayed true to just this proposal category. There are so many lines of business to do, like helping people find the ring they want, helping them purchase the ring, um, helping them plan the actual idea of booking the hot air balloon for them. So there was so much and we always stuck with this. So the evolution of how he asked always remained in the proposal space. But that meant that we fit perfectly with other businesses who were doing similar similar things but not exactly proposals. So the knot, for instance, their parent company, the Knot Worldwide, they actually own things like the knot, the nest, which is for home planning, the bump for baby planning, um, and they have a handful of other things. So because um, how he asked was so steady in who we are and we're just growing in that one vein. We were not competitive, but we were so complimentary to them. So we started doing content partnerships, advertising partnerships, and just at a certain point, it was just, it was this natural fit to say, okay, hold on a sec, let's put you under our umbrella. And so they opened up the acquisition conversation and, you know, later that year we closed. And so your question of turning my baby over, which I think a lot of people, um, you know, wonder how that, how that felt. Um, you know, I was growing like any child or baby, I was growing that 
could be something that had high integrity, could be valuable in the world. And that didn't mean that I was going to, you know, be the only person to contribute to that. You know, once a kid turns 18, they have all these other experiences in this bigger world. So I always knew that whether it was because I mentioned it when I was buying the domain that it was going to go into someone else's hands or that I stuck to the integrity of, you know, our mission to be all things proposal. Um, but giving it to the mat was the next progression. It, it didn't feel like I was giving anything up. It felt like I had done my job. I had done my role and it was where it was supposed to be. Sweeter Cards was born from an idea. What was that process like from idea to a successful company? I never let a day go by that I don't share my gratitude with, you know, either my husband or my family or my friends. And so I always wanted to just do something a little bit more than send a text. And I felt like sending a card in the mail would be, you know, they'd open and expect there was like a gift card and there wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be enough. But then flowers were super expensive. I just never knew what to send. That was just this like sweet token of appreciation and a little bit of a surprise. But I just one day started to run to the candy bar aisle and get a chocolate bar and then go to the card aisle and get a greeting card. And after, I don't know how many times I sent it to friends, 15 or so, I was standing in line actually uh, at, the, at Whole Foods, that hard and the chocolate bar. And I was like, these are like kind of similar in size. I wonder if there's a way to combine these so like I don't have to run from one aisle to the next and it was kind of a simple thing like that but it made me feel I know this is going to sound silly but I was like genius you know it's so simple but it's so genius and this is a a similar feeling I had with how he asked where it's like gosh how come no one's ever thought about just simply having a place to share these stories that everyone in their you know aunt wants to hear and so I had a similar um I don't know if I, you know, the light bulb, the aha moment is like a little redundant. I think it was more of this like intuition of like, yeah, that's a great idea. And it wasn't rocket science. And it was totally in line with all of my like celebrating life moments and, you know, sharing in love with your friends and yada, yada. So that was very simple. Um, I went home, told my husband, and I was like, okay, so I guess what I need is a chocolate maker and a card maker. So I just Googled chocolate maker, and sure enough, there's an amazing one here in St. Louis. Um, I didn't grow up here. My husband did. So, like, he knew of this chocolate company a million times. I just hadn't yet. So, you know, I called the owner up, and I said, here's my idea. Can I come meet with you and ask questions? He's like, he said, sure. On Friday, I was in his office and we were talking about logistics. And, you know, within a week, I felt like, all right, I got my chocolate guy. And then I had a friend. Um, actually, she runs Greetable, which is another amazing gift company here. We love Greetable. Um, I use Greetable. Yes. <laughs> we, I love Greetable so much. And um, their, their friendship and mentorship has been awesome through this. But I was sharing my idea with with um, the co-founder, her name is Zoe. She's incredible. And um, she was like, oh my gosh, you have to talk to our packaging guy. He's amazing. And I'm sure he could do this for you. And I was like, okay. So, you know, within a couple of weeks, I was in there talking to him and getting the packaging done. And, you know, I'd say within two months or so, we had a prototype that was ready to go. And so, you know, I think this goes back to the first thing that you and I were talking about, which was the whole, you know, don't look at it like, well, how is this company going to work? Let's look at it first. Like, okay, like I said, I need chocolate, I need a card. 
So just two things, just two phone calls, just, you know, a couple hours of research on both. And, and we'll see where it goes. So, and, you know, over, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and one thing that you mentioned was you actually made the phone call. I think a lot of times we have ideas and we feel like they're unattainable because I don't know this person. How do I reach out? You just did a cold call to the owner of a chocolate company. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they're all, we're all people, and there's probably people looking at me right now like, oh, she's an owner of a company. Wow. And, like, I'm in my pajamas sitting on, like, an old grandma couch right now, like, with my earphones in and my hair still wet from my shower. Like, we're all just regular people. Same. And so I think when you – yeah, right? <laughs> so um, I have, like, a, a floral granny chair, even. It's very – I don't even know where this came from, but it's – I like the vibes. <laughs> I like the vibes. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, so, so my point is, you know, we're all just people and we all were in each other's shoes at some point. So I am sure the chocolatier, you know, when he was, I think I must've been 29 at the time when he was 29 and he felt some ambition to take over his dad's, it's actually, this is a very old chocolate company. So he is working with his father who I think his father started it. So pointing, he had ambition at 29. When you hear that in someone else, it's exciting. You feel, you see yourself in them and all you ever wanted was help and someone to, you know, give you just a boost of confidence. And so I personally believe that that is just inborn and innate to all of us that we, that we want to help people and we want to see commonality. And so I'm not afraid at all to reach out to someone because I, I know that I will be able to come to, you know, some meeting ground where we can say to each other, I see something in you and vice versa. And so, um, you know, the, the phone call, I just, I would urge you not to be afraid, um, of anything, of anything at all. There's what is it's a human and what are they going to say? No, we're not interested. And, and, you know, I've gone back to people and said, hold on, hold on, don't hang up, you know, let me, and, you know, you do got to push it and massage it sometimes, but it's really just a phone call, uh, I mean, you can call me if you want to practice. It's really not too tough. <laughs> right. I feel like um, working with students on campus and seeing they're not afraid to fail. Um, we talk about mentoring a lot and always having a mentor that we assume, I think sometimes in stories, that a mentor is older than you or more successful. But I've had I've had more than one occasion students on campus be my mentor in whether it be the world of technology or or just teaching me different ways to communicate that right. were not taught to me or that I just had lost lost touch with. Because in your 20s, you, you just have a little bit more freedom. You have a little bit more freedom to fail. And sometimes it's nice to kind of bring that back to your reality. Absolutely. And actually, you bring up such a great point. Because I will say one of the biggest contributing factors to my I'm putting some air quote success because success can be a number of things but um was that I started my first company when I was 23 I had a year of work experience out of college and I had nothing to lose I had essentially the lowest paying job you could possibly have and that was the point where I had the least amount to risk I have some friends who are 35 and they work in these big you know, companies and banks on Wall Street, and they're asking me how they should take the jump. But I'm like, well, you're making oodles of money. I would never jump from that position. And you've got 15 years of experience in one thing. Like, I, I can't tell you how to jump. I don't know if I would do that. 
But when you're 23 and you have nothing but an entry-level job to lose, and just like you said, Jamie, these, these I think kids and students in that age, you're just, you're so open and eager and that is really all you need to get started you don't need 15 years of experience you don't need even three years of experience you just need the willingness to be open to ask for help to do the research to start at one and so my you know the I'll just circle back the biggest thing that contributed to my being where I am today is that I started when I was very young right so you started two successful companies what has been your biggest lesson learned as a leader that you did not expect going in? Ooh, great question. Uh, you know, you learn something every single day. And there's something that I recently learned, or I guess I recently packaged up um, in my toolkit here. And that's simply the, the beauty in having good partners and good teammates. So I happen to have always run companies um, or looked for ideas where I could run it in this way, where I don't have a large staff or I don't have to have a big office. Um, I personally just like to travel a lot and have freedom. And so most of the employees I've ever had have been contractors. So they work part-time or, you know, they have their own business and they're contributing. Or like I said before, you know, I've got this chocolatier and I've got, you know, a packaging company. And so, um, both of those people I consider on my team. However, they don't necessarily work for me. And so one thing that's been so, so, so valuable is just having partners that are reliable and have accountability in themselves. It's very difficult when you are, you know, trying to figure everything out that, you know, everything new, everything's new to you. It helps to have people around you where maybe what they're doing is new to you, but it's not new to them. And they're essentially experts at it. And so there's so much trust and so much reliability that you can put into those people. And that is very, very important. So there are times that I've said like, oh, I just need a jack of all trades to try things out. But really, I'm that jack of all trades. What I need is a an accountant who knows how to run the books. What I need is a packaging guy who knows how to, you know, create effective and sturdy packaging. I need a chocolatier who produces the best chocolate. And so when you think about your team and the people you surround yourself with, it is so incredibly important to find people who have their skills developed and you be the person to just, you know, wheel and deal and be the jack of all trades. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I really like that that way of thinking because it kind of takes the pressure off us. I know that as women, we, we are always taught we can do it all, but I think it's okay to say, you know what, this, I'm not an accountant. I don't need to do these books. Let me have someone, this is their specialty do that. You Exactly. And that's such a good point. I had, I remember the CFO of the knot. She's a woman. She's incredibly bright. She's so sharp. I was so nervous to say to her, can you give me another week? I got to get my books a little bit more in order. You know, I just, I mean, we haven't closed out the year yet. I was so scared to say her, to say that to her. And she said something to me like, oh, yeah, yeah, take your time. And I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in buying your company because you're an accountant. I'm interested in buying your company because you have, you know, whipped this all into shape. And so take your time. And I felt like, wow, okay, this finance person is giving me this grace <laughs> that I don't need to be an accountant. And of course that, you know, their interest is not in my being able to keep a spreadsheet or book. You talk about grace. And I think that 
And sometimes with grace and energy, it's also about the energy that we put off is really what we get back. You mm-hmm. made, I know you have two successful companies and you're known for, you know, how he asked and sweeter cards, but you also had this really low key thing happen to you by giving back to someone at Walgreens that somehow landed you on Ellen. How has yes. giving back and philanthropy been a part of you and how has that, you know, seeped into your business? Well, I think that openness and connectivity, that has been a driving force in everything I do because as someone starting out in a new industry, you're going to need help, as I've said many times. And so I'm not shy to ask for help. And in the same vein, I understand that there will be times that I learn things that someone else didn't learn and that I should be the person to pass that knowledge back. And so I think that it's more of this circle of life that you have to respect in general and you have to make yourself vulnerable and open to be able to grow and to understand, you know, your own strengths and, and who could help you with those weaknesses and whose weaknesses you can help. And so I just see this um, interdependence on everyone in life. Um, And I think every single person can play a part in that. And so with this example you brought up, um, I used to go to this Walgreens. I've moved, so I don't go there anymore. Um, um, I'm Big Ben and Clayton. And there was a cashier. There is a cashier named Mike that was there. And, you know, I would run out in the middle of the day when I'm having this flustered day at work or just, you know, normal overwhelm from life. And I would be paying no attention to anything but myself. And then I'd get up to the checkout counter and Mike, this cashier, would just be so personal with you and sort of stop you in your tracks, stop you in time and in your thought and just talk to you about how you're doing. And I was shocked at some of the memories he had about each of his customers. I would see him come out and give people hugs. And so it just showed me like, wow, even this tiny experience with a person in one single moment could really have such a big effect on my day. And it would change my spirits and change my mood. And so I think acknowledging that we all have the ability to do that to and for each other is is key. So so in that case, I ended up just saying to myself, okay, I want to leave this guy just a cute little gift card and a note on his car at Christmas saying like, everyone in the universe loves you. Thank you for being so kind. So I shared that idea with some friends. They wanted to contribute. I decided, you know what? I'm sure I'm not the only one, and my friends aren't the only one who love this guy. Let's throw up one of those fundraising campaigns. So I think we ended up raising like $7,500. And we were going to surprise him at Christmas, but I'm sure Ellen's producers caught on to what we were doing and wanted to be in on the surprise. So they gave him an extra $10,000, and they aired our surprise to him. That's so great. And that mentality on a personal level with business has always been beneficial to me because two things, it leads me to notice the small things that matter. And it has made me be more appreciative, which gives myself, it gives me more grace and and patience with myself. It has also opened me up to amazing, beautiful relationships where people are opening doors for me left and right. And because of that, I can now do the same for others. Just acknowledging that we live in this symbiotic world where we should all be treating each other with grace and openness and positivity has been huge on my mental health, huge for the success of my businesses, and huge for just somehow getting on Ellen with it. So many of us are at home during this social Mm -hmm. distancing period. I feel like every day I have some big idea 
what is the next step when you have that big idea? What do you do next? Start researching it because what happens is so you have an idea for grocery delivery. You go online, do some Google searching, and you say, oh, darn, okay, Instacart's essentially doing this exact thing. Okay, this is not my idea. But you're proud of yourself for researching, and you do have a little moment of, oh, bah humbug, but you move on. The next day or the next month or years, you have another idea. And since you researched the idea before, you know, okay, I know how to do this. So research the idea. And on this idea, you find out, I don't know, PetSmart's already doing it. All right, bummer. One day, you're going to see a gap because you have so many times tried to see if this idea would work and you know that it won't because someone else is doing it. Or, I mean, that's not always true, but you know what I mean. Right. So, just researching and looking into the ideas will open up, will show you when one of those ideas opens up in comparison to the otherwise closed doors that you put on the other ones. Does that make sense? It does. So what are your goals for sweeter cards? And can you tell us, one, how can we purchase sweeter cards, whether it be locally in St. Louis where we are, nationally, and then what's next for sweeter cards? Great question, and thank you for allowing me to, you know, uh, plug our company. So our website is sweetercards.com, and you can order from there. We have some great Mother's Day cards that are up on the site now, which is very relevant for today with Mother's Day coming up in May. And then we are at Straub's and a handful of boutiques here. There's Bon Bonnie in um, Tower Grove Park and, and a couple other boutiques. But online, if you obviously in today's month, day and age, you know, online's probably best. Um, and as for where the future of the company, you know, I want to be in every greeting card aisle with the only chocolate bar there in every in every store in my country. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good goal. And I, and I really do believe that you will. Can I just say that your packaging is one of the best, like it draws my attention. It kind of makes me happy. And it's not just because it's chocolate. It really does. Like the cards are meaningful. The chocolate is good. And so I really believe like those two things combined, like you, you just have a win-win situation. Kudos to you on that, Stacey. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> what makes you, you well I, your questions are great and I love talking to you and thank you so much for having me no no thank you can you tell us what makes you a force oh the last and best question I think what makes me a force it's my openness and intuition I feel excited by things I don't knock myself down immediately I always turn to okay what could step one be I, I don't let myself get intimidated very easily. And if something does happen where I get shot down, let's say, I say, okay, well, I have so much in my life that has gotten shot up, you know, in a good way, um, that this all evens out. And so my intuition on ideas and my openness to see them through, no matter what hardship comes my way, I think that's my, my biggest force. So maybe I guess the word is unstoppable. <laughs> Stacey Stahl, thank you very much for joining us today. I truly, truly appreciate having you. Of course. Thank you again, Jamie. I, I loved it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Jamie Doby. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on all of our social media networks at Force Maryville or visit us at www.maryville.edu slash force. Thanks for tuning in.